Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club. This is the podcast for people who have never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hadja. Hello. Hello. And we have a very special guest with us today. We do indeed. Now this guest, I've known her a very long time. She's known me longer than I've known her. It's my mama, my mother, Trudy Miles. Hello, mummy. Hi. <laughs> How are you two? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, we're happy to have you on. Actually, it'll be quite nice to get your take on on the book today we yeah. talk about our mothers a lot don't we on the podcast yeah you get a lot of mentions so it's nice to actually have you with us yeah I've been listening to some of it not all of it 100% accurate I have to say <laughs> <laughs> you've definitely said the c word you've definitely said the c word I'm sorry now yeah it is really good to have you with us um and I'm also really excited to talk about literature with you because we've done it a couple of times before with a cup of tea and it's you know I always really like how your brain works with it all so this is going to be fun um so we are talking today about The Kite Runner by Khalid Hussein. Uh, Curtis, give us a little rundown of what's it about, a bit of synopsis before we delve in. Yeah, so it's the story of a young boy, uh, Amir, growing up in Afghanistan. Uh, his father, um, his baba, is a very powerful and respected man, and he sort of vies for his father's uh, attention and approval. Um, Amir grows up with his friend Hassan, who's the same age as him. Um, sort of the servant boy, isn't he, in the house? Yeah. Yes, so ha- Hassan and his dad are the servants living in an outhouse, but very close to the family, and they have a re- very complicated friendship um, that goes on a bit of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the The title, Kite Runner, kind of links all this together because they go kite running in Kabul. So uh, Amir is a great kite flyer. And there's a whole thing that I want to get into when we discuss it, where when the kite gets cut down by another kite... Did not understand it. We can... It lands... <laughs> Uh, somewhere over the rooftops and Hassan would faithfully go after it and get the kite for um, for Amir. Uh, Now, you sort of follow them growing up um, and then there's quite a horrific incident which we'll touch on where uh, Hassan is cornered and raped by some local bullies. Amir sees it and doesn't step in, doesn't stick up for him and then the rest of the book is unfolding with him living with this awful guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, Ends up telling a pretty awful lie, uh, being manipulative and getting Hassan and his dad sent away. 
well, they, they actually leave of their own accord in the end. Yeah. Um, and then you go through a sort of second section of the book where um, Amir and his father are forced to flee Afghanistan. Um, mm. It's when it's when Russia invade the yeah, streets Soviets of Kabul. Yeah, Soviets first and then Taliban, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, you, so you follow their, their journey. They end up in San Francisco, where suddenly his once marvellous father is working in a petrol station and a bit at odds with the world around him. Mm-hmm. Amir grows up, becomes a writer, uh, marries a woman and sort of carves a whole life for himself. And then in sort of what I would consider the third section of the book, Mm -hmm. he gets a call from an old family friend who has um, been present throughout his life to go back and see him. Um, He's in Pakistan and it's sort of all revealed that... He has to travel back to Afghanistan and it's sort of... Yeah, and then it... Yeah. He goes on a mission of redemption uh, yeah. where Hassan has been killed, but he goes to rescue Hassan's son, who's staying in a in an orphanage that the Taliban have a hand on and mm-hmm. is not being treated very nicely. So, yeah, I'd say that's quite a, quite a good comprehensive... Yeah. Comprehensive, because <laughs> it is a complicated Spoilers book. and all. I've realised, Mother Dear, I've introduced you as just my mother, which is quite a cardinal feminist sin really, to introduce my <laughs> ridiculously intelligent mother who has who has had a very successful career as a teacher. She's she's look, making a face at me. I'm not just going to introduce you as just my mother. Yeah, you've you got some creds. We need I to mean, realize. as much as that oh, is, uh, you know, the most important as, uh, part. Absolutely. Um, so my mother was a teacher. She taught uh, religious studies. She lived in Iran, knows Farsi, like literally... Uh, learnt the language, knows a lot about Iranian culture, which is why I think this book is quite interesting. Um, She's an education specialist and has a master's from Cambridge in education, which she doesn't think is a big deal. And Do you know what my first degree is in, just as a matter of interest? Um, English. Literature. English and American literature, yeah. I did wonder when you were sort of I forgot. No, you know what? I forgot. (laughs) You're saying, oh, you're good. You like books. You talk about No, it's not. No, I do forget because, so yeah, your your degree was English and American literature and then you became, then you sort of had four children and then studied to become a teacher. You are now an education specialist and you have all sorts of strings to your bow. This is going to be fun. Um, Had you read it before? Yes, I had. Um, it's been quite a favourite book of mine for a number of years. And I think listening to you, Curtis, given that resume, I thought everything you said pretty much was spot on in terms of accuracy. That is what it was. But it's so much more than that. You actually read this book, don't you? And you look, yes, there was the major incident in the alley when he really didn't stand up. For, his, for Hassan. However, the major things were that all along his unexplained jealousy of him, his desperate desire to be loved and approved of by his father, which you alluded to, all of that caused him to be quite horrible to Hassan in little ways throughout their time together. Um, and and I think I'm I'm not quite sure how much of that was he was aware of at the time and how much of that he superimposes on it retrospectively as he begins to write down his life story. Um, maybe it's a way that we often carry around sort of feelings of guilt and 
dissatisfaction with ourselves, and it's only later on through the eyes of uh, our adult understanding that we get some kind of psychological comprehension of what might have been going on and whether it was or it wasn't we'll almost never know because we are we are only ever able to live in one moment going forward what is what's that expression they say um life can only be lived forward but understood backwards and i think that's a big thing here what do you think because uh, obviously we we all know we're very different people as adults than who we were five years ago let alone back when we were 12 years old so it must actually be quite strange for him to be grappling with these guilty feelings and and the and and i think i think he could never quite work out his feelings on hassan but i think this is the thing with narration isn't it in this way any retrospective narration you're sort of questioning either the motive of the author or yeah the comprehension of the author and actually like you said how much they're superimposing on that relationship so actually in real time he wouldn't have been aware, possibly, of this jealousy or um, disregard for Hassan. He wouldn't have been aware of all the of the why he felt as strongly as he did. Yeah, yeah. But now, knowing what he does, he is then able to make sense of that. And also, when you make sense of stuff, you you extremifies that the word you um yeah well you interpret it in a particular way because you then interpret everything through the lens of the understanding that you've gained through life experience maturity and the knowledge that's been given to you afterwards yeah. mm. so you you are necessarily biased in terms of that and and it, it can't it's not always helpful um but you know it is something that we do um there was there was one incident though do you remember it was after the rape and um he amir had been extremely reluctant to spend any time at all with uh hassan whether or not that was through guilt or self-hatred or the loathing that he felt for those but everything just reminded him of that awful incident where he'd felt so powerless and as I mean I'm, I'm jumping about here but as Rahim Khan said to him later on he actually as a young boy could have done nothing if he'd gone into that alley to rescue his friend he would have either had the same fate that the other boy did which wouldn't you couldn't blame him for not wanting to have or they would both have been killed because they would have both ended up fighting that lunatic Asif and I shouldn't say that because life has made him you know whatever he was mm. I think you're um, allowed to in the context of this call him a lunatic <laughs> but you know uh, uh, who knows what would have happened maybe the two of them would have been been killed Anyway, there's a fabulous letter at the end. It was survival as well, wasn't it? So, it when, was, and also, I yeah. think we don't always know what our instincts are doing. And I think often we can rationalise and intellectualise our own instincts. He was very bookish. And so he, he could sort of say, I should have done this. His father was always trying to get him to fight and stand up for himself. Because if you can't stand up for yourself, you won't stand up for anybody or anything. Even in the moment of that, it's like, no, as a human being, your deepest survival mechanisms are going, you're not going anywhere near that situation. But as an intellectual, you're going, well, you're almost going, well, I need to stay away from the situation because I'm scared, because I'm this, that and the other. Because, um, or, you know, and, and actually, it's, sometimes we're far more basic than... Before that incident happened, there were lots of little things 
that I wonder if he'd then dredged up from his memory mm. um, as a result of that awful incident in the alley. And he sort of interpreted them as him not looking out for Ali and not care. And gave it a much heavier bent. Because if you listen to what Hassan's boy, Suhrab, says about him, he says, oh, Bobo told me about all the fab fabulous fun yeah. you had getting into mischief oh. around the neighbourhood. Whereas Amir's interpretation of it is that I told him to do it. I was the architect and mm. he was the soldier mm. or the builder or whatever of yeah. whatever mischief they did. So he interpreted that in a bad way. Whereas according to Suhrab's recollection of what his dad had said, Hassan thought it was great fun. You know, yeah. that he, he was doing this. He was the right-hand man of, of Amir. That's interesting. But there was one incident where I definitely think it was um, almost... Mm, it was bullying and cruelty, yes, but it was completely understandable in terms of what had happened. And he took him up to the pomegranate tree and threw yeah. pomegranates at him. Mm. And and then at the end, uh, Hassan takes a pomegranate and smashes it into his forehead so that the pulp all falls down over him. And he says, for you a thousand times, you know, I will do whatever. Mm. Is this, are you happy now? Are you happy mm. now? And of course he's not happy because what he really wants is Hassan to turn around and thump him and mm -hmm. bash him up. Yeah, he wants his medicine, uh, doesn't he? He wants his catharsis, yeah, mm. that sort of way of, of getting over that mm. awful thing that he thinks he did. Mm. It's funny because I think Amir had a, a, a couple of moments, like that was the, the one sticking in my head as well. I think there's a time where Hassan's father is, is making him some breakfasts and they're talking. And I think... I think now remind me of um, Hassan's father's name, if anybody. Ali. 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 And, and Ali sort of says, "Oh, you know, you haven't played with Hassan in a while." And Amir actually becomes the privileged boy all of a, all of a mm. sudden and yeah. really snaps yes. at him and goes, "Am I going to get any breakfast today or what?" Yeah, he has that inside of him, yeah. and I don't know if that's because yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. you know, born being their superior in the way that. Yeah, and I think servants. that's something about class, isn't it? That you. But it. But you can revert to that, or is it the guilt? Yeah, or know? is it the guilt? Yeah. But you see, the other thing as well is I don't think you can read that with our eyes mm. or our perception of class because mm. it's nothing like that. No. I remember that was one of the biggest culture shocks that I had living in Iran. Mm. The, have, the idea of having servants to me was anathema mm. because in a way, even if you have servants in this country, it's a very, very different situation to the way it happens, in my experience, in Iran. And I, I can't even assume that it's the same as in Afghanistan. Mm. But that kind of friendship existing between families, I was very aware of that, that, that you'd have servants coming in. And then as the children got older, they would come in and help as mm. well. And generations through generations would follow with families that were associated with other families, one being the more privileged, more moneyed, and the others. It was very parochial. It was mm. much like it was in different ways here, but the class system, it's nothing like we no. talk about class. Mm. No, and it's it's a very racialized class system that they're talking about in Afghanistan as well, that isn't was it? Yeah, the Hazaris, yeah, definitely, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, and that, and that was nice at the end because if you remember when they go to America and they do actually manage to take Suhrab over there, mm. 
Amir says to his father-in-law, this is who he is and why I've brought him over here. Mm. My father slept with a Hazari woman. Yeah. She slept with the wife of our servant. I think he deliberately manipulated the timing of that because mm. my reading of it is that she was pregnant before she married Ali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was kind of a rescuing the situation because it was so frowned upon. And he said, you will never refer to him as that Hazari boy yeah. in my mm. hearing again. And I thought, at last, atonement, yeah. you know, redemption, because you have lifted yourself, because you've taken yourself out of that perception of somebody being not as worthy as you. Mm-hmm. And you've at last put yourself in a way where you can be the strong person to defend as you feel you ought to mm. um, to everyone else because they were still living within the community and communities yeah. living abroad mm. from their homeland uh, uh, take on very very strong identities I mm. mean I knew that living mm-hmm. abroad you know? mm. <laughs> sitting around in, in 42 degrees eating bread and butter pudding because that's what all the English people <laughs> did, you know. Um, and yeah, with that, do very interesting what did you yeah. both make of um, Boba as a character? So obviously in the in the early stages of this book being this incredible, respected, noble mm. man um, and then obviously you, I don't want to say his demise but that is kind of what you see when yeah. he's taken out of his home where they make that incredible journey to escape and then suddenly he's in san francisco and he i remember there's a line where Amy says he he seemed smaller he didn't seem as big yeah. as i remember um yeah what well, and i mean i think he I, was a really interesting character what did you i make was of it? crying reading really? the bit when it, honestly because i read the second half of this book god i'm getting welling up thinking about it and i read the second half of this book all in one go so at night time until like two in the morning and the scene where his dad was getting it, I was just roaring. Really? <laughs> like, really can which, handle it. Which bit? Which bit? When the father's dying, when Bobo's dying, I think it's just in those last few um, weeks and the preparations he makes for the wedding and all that sort of thing. And also, I think, realising more about his dad. I mean, I clocked that Hassan was the son right at the beginning. Like, it was pretty obvious. Right, um, right. And I just want to say that because, you know. I did not. I need get... to quell my tears right now. But, yeah, no, so obviously the father, I, 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 I did feel quite balanced. And I think his account of his father is very balanced, actually, because you see the masculinity and the sort of the wanting his son to be different and, you know, and more manly or whatever. But as soon as they get to America, you really get a sense of that survival. This is a man who has made his life. Yes, he's dealt, mean dealt some good cards and stuff, but he put so much money into Afghanistan, into his home, and he put so much money into the community. And that whole getting up and getting the van and driving to the market, just, it, yeah, I was so... Using the food stamps. The food stamps. Yeah, refusing the food stamps. Yeah, in that moment, yeah. um so yeah that whole thing about that um sense of cultural pride sense of responsibility but also just the getting on with it but getting on with it in like a a passionate way it was all about pride it was all about loving his son and his family and um and that connection with the community and still upholding some of those values and ideas um and yeah, I mean, I literally was roaring my eyes out <laughs> reading. Wow. Yeah, did you find? Did you notice though that there were different ways of dealing with that when they moved abroad? I totally got the fact that this was such a big come down, and and he said at, at this yeah. flea market there were doctors and lawyers who couldn't get work and were selling 
you know, secondhand, uh, mm. what was it? Um, ski jackets without with broken zips. That was oh, yeah, one of yeah. the things that stuck in my mind, you know. Um, so, you know, there were these highly qualified people and they were working hard. However, the general was quite happy to live on welfare yeah, mm. because he thought it was below him and he only, work, did, he yeah. only did the flea market to keep in contact with the Afghan community. That mm. was his social bit during during the week. And it's interesting in a way because you don't sort of, you don't blame someone in the general's position. Like you understand it. You understand that if you have sort of fought for your country and you've risen to such high ranks and you have such pride in your country and your people or, or whatever, or even if it's just completely purely ego. Um, but that's that's just not letting go, is it? That's not being able to adjust to reality and realizing that actually your home and everything is doesn't mean anything when you are somewhere else like when you are faced with survival and um and I, I guess it was a real yeah it was such a clever juxtaposition wasn't it? having the general and having the father and you sort of see this mm. um yeah you see the real man for, for Bob, the Bob different Bob, ways really the yeah. different ways human beings deal with their situation um, so this is all very real, you know, the changing, it's mm. been such a torrid time in the mm. Middle East, even in my lifetime, where regimes have changed after regime in Afghanistan, what suffering yeah, those ravaged, people have yeah. gone yeah. through, completely well, You even see it illustrated, don't you, when they're actually making their escape. Mm. Oh, and there's gosh. A, there's a load of them from Kabul. The on father the... and the son. It's yeah, just... so they're on oh. um, they're on the van under the tarpaulin being smuggled over the border. Mm. And I think a Russian or um, Soviet soldier stops them. And he he wants, I think he basically asks for one of the women. Mm. And it's Baba who stands up, isn't it? Yeah. And Baba's happy to get shot to do the right thing. And he's brave. He's so brave. He's like proper alpha, isn't he? Mm. He's literally like all the... <laughs> That it's like masculinity in its yeah. highest form, right? And I, I get know. the sense it's really for me. It comes from it read like he's doing it genuinely to do to do the right thing. He's mm. not doing it to be the biggest man there. No. He's not doing no. It well, that's what I mean. Soldier. As in yeah. genuine masculinity, it's like this protecting with with heart. With heart, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's masculinity. I think it's although you know you might interpret it like that and, and whatever. I think it's much more about him doing the right thing because mm. if he didn't he couldn't have looked himself in the eye yeah. because he's had to live the whole of his life do it having done the wrong thing and trying to make the wrong thing he did right mm. for everybody mm. involved and yeah. failing mm. because he failed with his own sons two of them um and and it was and it's so sad really because yeah. you think if it had all come out if everybody had said you know, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I, I said you can swear, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this and this is the result and that's not the child's fault. Mm. But you see, we can't because we're all born within a context both social and chronological and we're in that time. And even now, things have so radically changed. Mm. Let's say 30 years. It's unrecognisable mm. the, the, some of the social mores we have now yeah. that 30 years ago would have seem to be impossible mm. you know so um you can cut that bit out by the way no i'm keeping in the <laughs> no, swearing we, like yeah. we knew we knew we'd get you swearing yeah. in the end <laughs> we hope so but yeah i think that the turbulence of the time really struck me um and just so many awful emotional scenes Horrific. and i think 
the thing with this book is even though it's fiction obviously it is so many people's lives like this it resonates so much and you know you know the um curtis you said when they were leaving afghanistan and the the lorry had run you know broken down so they couldn't get the next leg of their journey on the lorry yeah so they had to go inside a fuel tank oh, yeah. fuel yeah. tanker and get out and then of course there was a lad that they knew and it was one of, one the, of the boys bullies, who'd yeah. been our sidekick mm. Mm. and they it, you know it's described that they didn't want to help us if they yeah. but they were scared to not do what he wanted and um he'd actually had the same fate inflicted on him and he'd been a complete complete you know stonewalled face um to the world until they got into the well even when they got into the tank he just wouldn't talk or anything and then when he got out he died and And then then his father shot himself yeah but in a way you think yeah it was horrific what what are you living for (laughs) however yeah his wife had been killed his son had been worse than killed you could argue and then you know he couldn't protect him and then this had happened as well so it was just yeah. heartbreaking harrowing isn't it it's um, so harrowing yeah. and it's real life you yeah, know that's it really a is. heartbreaking thing sorry, sorry. so well Terrible. i don't know if you're getting teary so we should um, have, let's have a quick circuit breaker <laughs> oh, we're going to have a quick too circuit much. i wanted to talk about asef but let's stick a bit on him let's talk about kite running itself which okay. i touched on at the start did, fabulous now yeah. now uh, you, you've both lived in the middle east did, i don't know if this is a thing i don't think we did kite running the, did we do, do the we, science do of it, it doesn't make sense to me you can't chop a kite with way? another kite i don't understand yeah the yeah, cutting kites how do yeah, you, you can what, really you right do okay what they do and this is partially <laughs> what they they had to spend time doing which in the end amir was no good at making kites so um they had money enough to go to the kite maker mm. and buy their kites and the string would be soaked in glue and little shards of glass so the str- right. this is why their hands, when when the string rips through your hands, they'd all go to school and and be comparing war wounds right. before before the you know yeah. revolution and all of that. This isn't in the book, happened. is it? This is your knowledge. No, this is in the book. Oh, Do they I say about this glass in the book? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Better so, so, closer reading, closer reading. <laughs> all right, literature grad. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Um, is and so and what when they say about there's a famous or a famous or a well-known tactic or technique that Hassan uses and in the end Amir does it for Suhrab and that's when uh, the last bit the green kite runs across one of the parks Mm. and the children head off um, and it's a lovely line and it's called the lift and dip I think or the lift and dive or something Mm. like that and and it's about looping the kites across and then pulling it Mm -hmm. because you're but of course they've got glass on their Mm. um, string as well so I you know, you'd have to you, you have to know your techniques and be able to do it. And then the, the kite drifts away, and then everybody chases it. after it and tries to get that as a trophy. Uh, okay. And so the finally, that I thought that was a beautiful ending actually, because um, what Amir says to Suhrab is, um, "I ran after the kite, a grown man running with a swarm of screaming children, but I didn't care." I ran with the wind blowing in my face and a smile as wide as the valley of Panchere on my lips. I ran. And that's the end of it. Mm. And I think like it's he's doing this. He says, I'll do it for you a thousand times, which is what Mm. Hassan used to say for him. 
And when he does that, it's almost like, yes, he's running. And yes, it's a glimmer of light of hope in Sahrab's healing. But also it's him. It's almost like he's letting in the childhood that he denied himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And one hopes that with the growth of the boy, of Sahrab's healing, he too heals as he re-embraces a childhood that he never had. That's really interesting, yeah, about a childhood that you deny yourself because you can deny it in two ways. You can deny the existence of something that did happen or you can deny it as it's happening in that you're not connected with that joy. Yeah, that's Mm. right. Yeah, just... I mean, I'm de- very much that, but, you know, it's very easy to look back and go, oh, I never had any fun. It's like, that's because you almost don't have the visceral connection to it. And sometimes it does take actually putting yourself in something physical. Mm. To say, okay, I'll have that now. Yeah. I'll have, you know, yeah. because you have the moment. You actually don't have anything in the past. No, it, it's, no. All, it's gone. Yeah. Come on, you know, that's the reality of it all. And we can lose the present by this, by an obsession with either the future or the past. Yeah, you know. But there was another fabulous moment that I really liked. And it was when um, Amir had gone back to Pakistan to see, is it Amir, oh, Amir uh, Rahim, Rahim Khan? Rahim, yeah, Rahim Khan, Khan, yeah. Rahim Khan asked him to go back there. And he met this guy, Karim, who didn't like him much to start with, mm. um, and then gradually, when he understood what he wanted to do, they became quite firm friends. But Karim, at some point, he actually says, he says, will you do, Amir says, will you do something for me? And he says, for you, a thousand times. Mm, yeah. Mm. And he says, what did you say? Why did you say that? And it's almost as if he had a moment. I don't know where this is true. I don't know where I get this from, but it was in the reading that perhaps Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Perhaps he realized this is an estelar. Um, this is an expression. Yeah. Mm. And people say that, Tashakur And... Um, I sacrifice myself for you. Mm. But they don't actually mean that, but yeah. they say that, you yeah. know, and 
The that means you're welcome by the way. You do. You say, I'll do anything for you, you know. And I just think um, there's that kind of element to it. He saw it within a different context there. It wasn't this Hassan saying, only saying that. Loads of other people said that all the time. Mm. And maybe he just overinterpreted it. We need you on this every episode because I am I'm seeing books for <laughs> a completely different way. I've kind of forgotten about that angle about um, interrogating the narrator and actually understanding what the narration in itself is telling you, not just the plot and the story. I don't mm. think we often touch on that, do we? Um, sort of the we are not this philosophical no, normally, not. but <laughs> this is why we get it. We don't have literature degrees, do we? Um, okay, so let's talk about Asef, if we can. Um, Asef is the bully, um, or the lead bully, the one who actually rapes Hassan um, and is a presence in the in the um, young boy's lives. But then he turns up years later as being heavily involved with Taliban. And actually, you know, you and it culminates in him having a fight with Amir um, so Amir can regain control of Hassan's young son. Um, I thought Asif as a character was just incredible. Um, re- I mean, really vindictive, but nuanced antagonist. Mm-hmm. They had German blood. He looked up to Adolf Hitler. And even as a boy, he had the, the beginnings of evil. Yeah, yeah, he gave him Mein Kampf, didn't he? Um, I, well, I don't, they don't actually name what it was, but wasn't it the life story of Hitler or something? Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't Hitler. actual Mein Kampf. And Amir threw it on a rubbish pile. Mm. Yeah. And when he turned up years later, um, obviously Amir goes to a football game in Kabul when it's under the Taliban and a bloke comes out and kind of throws some, they stone someone on the pitch, don't they? And then Amir later meets him at the house yeah. to um, to discuss reclaiming the orphan boy that's Hassan's son. And then... And the, and the bloke reveals himself to be Asef mm. and he's remembered him after all these years yeah. and he's just got colder and mm. angrier over these years. And... I think it's interesting with his character that he is veers on the side of pantomime villain. I, mm. I mean, you get the... Oh, I don't. I think I I think he's an actual... In fact, at the beginning of the book, he says, I learned a word which describes him in America years later, a sociopath. Yeah. And I don't think he's a sociopath at all. I think he's a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think people like that are dangerous when they, tur- where, <laughs> to say the least, that's an understatement. When he turned up at the party with his parents, yeah. his parents seemed scared of him. Yes, mm. yeah. It was almost as if the parents knew the capacity that their childhood, the parents went off to Australia to mm. live. Yeah. I think what I'm getting at is that the level of shit he does and the fact that he's wrapped up in the Taliban and has clearly found a vehicle for his violence and his evil. Yeah, yeah. I think that takes away from actually the reality that you don't need to be a complete psychopath to be swept up in that world. That's an interesting point. So I think that's probably the one thing for me that I completely get his character. It is a sort of once in a one in a million kind of character, the the level of like his Hitler. evil yeah mm. yeah so yeah. he hears that yeah. but the thinking about sort of that level of extremism and stoning and actually i don't think you have to be a psychopath to partake in that level of evil when the context mm. validates it it felt too easy mm. a character mm. let's just make a psychopath who wants to rape children mm. and kill everyone and he's the baddie rather than actually rather than someone who doesn't have to be a psychopath to be swept up in that you know yeah. Um, that was the only thing. I still believed it and 
you know, hell knows we've met plenty of psychopaths, but or sociopaths. What's it? The difference between psychopath and sociopath is they haven't killed anyone. I heard. <laughs> I think, yes, psychopaths are morally disconnected is the thing, whereas a sociopath has a level of calculation, but ultimately on a social level, not on a violent level. They are without empathy. Curtis that's my, what, that's my understanding. He's watched way more horror films and read way more horror books. Read a bit of John Ronson, that's all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you read The Psychopath Test. The Psychopath Test yeah. is a really, really interesting read. You um, see, the other, the other incident that I thought was fascinating was I thought Amir was incredibly brave when he got rid of Ali and Hassan. He didn't know at that point that he was depriving his father of his son. He had also seen um, during the fireworks at his birthday party, when it lit up, he turned around and seen Asaf touching Hassan on his chest. Mm. And when he'd been taking drinks off the, um, so Hassan had been serving them drinks and he'd taken a drink and then sort of pushed him, yeah. you know, to remind him, you know, I'm, I'm here. Um, and he, I think, although this wasn't made explicit, he said, I had to get him out of there. I had to get rid of him. The same way Amechon, um, not Amechon, who was the guy, Rahim, Rahim Khan, Khan yeah. had said to him that he'd fallen in love that night, the birthday party, he said he'd fallen in love with the Hazara girl and his father had gone mad and they'd sent the girl away and mm. her family away and he never saw her again. And... He said it was for the best because the society couldn't have coped. They would never have treated her with respect because she was once a servant and then my wife. And so um, Amir, knowing what had happened to Hassan, mm. knew that if he stayed in that area, he was constantly going to be under the threat yeah. of yeah. this Asif. But, and also, but also we know, looking back, that Rahim Khan knew so was at that what did Rahim know at that point, do you think, and do you think he was purposefully putting an idea well, also, in ha- Hassan's I, head? I didn't um I didn't That's get that at all. I didn't get that it was an act of bravery. I thought it was like the ultimate act of cowardice that he, you know. Uh, Yes, yeah. I thought that when you did your resume, yeah. Yeah. Because it does look like that. It looks like this sly little child wants to get rid of his his discomfort. He doesn't want to be reminded of him all the time. Yeah, and it's the stick he's beating himself with, isn't it? It is. It's the stick he's beating himself with. Um, Yeah, Yeah. definitely. But actually, looking at it as an adult to a child... Rahim Khan says it over and over again, you were too hard on yourself. Mm. Yes, what you did was bad, but you couldn't have done anything else. And you were a child. Mm. Even an adult would have struggled. Just one adult sees three adults attacking Mm. another adult. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. 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 You know, it's very, very, very difficult. And they were, by virtue of the fact that the attack was such a bad attack and was taking place they'd taken him somewhere secluded they'd run run him into an area that was far away from people yeah a deserted alley you know so it wasn't like he just had to go and knock on a door and get help yeah. mm. um, um yeah. could we talk about um the country itself now for me it really made me sort of pine for for Iran in a strange way. Um, well, not in a strange way. I guess there's something about that part of the world that 
does feel quite mystical in a way and quite um yeah, the shaman there, the music. Yeah, yeah and there's yeah. something about earth, isn't there, the and ground and something you're connected to. There's in, And with Iran, and I imagine it's similar in Afghanistan, it's like the smells are there and, you know, that that Very dry much. heat. And, and I often find myself, like, yeah, pining for that. So I found it quite a... Um, yeah, a very emotional book and a very... It's very sort of, evocative, isn't yeah, it? Very very evocative, evocative. Yeah, very evocative. Um, and did it bring up anything for you about your memories of, of Iran, oh, the mountains? Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, In fact, when he was describing his father's house, for me, that was your Auntie Mahin's house mm-hmm. in Tehran Pass. Yeah. Um, a new area that had been built by all these entrepreneurs, people who had lots of new money, um, and with uh, and he describes it with the rose uh, gardens and and the you know I think they had a, a, your auntie had a pool a swimming pool at the front mm-hmm. of the house and everything. There were many many things like this that just the heat, the trees, the pomegranate trees, mm-hmm. the snow. Well, in fact, one of the things that irritates me a little bit is the image on the front of my copy. I don't know if that's the yeah, same we've got as the yours. same one, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a young boy looking down an alley and oh, he's yeah. wearing shorts and sandals and it's <laughs> hot sun. And yet it was in the snow in the winter yeah. that, um, that that attack happened. Yeah, because so, they're hinting at the attack with that picture, but it's not really... Unless, is that just from the film? Is that, no, that's not, not from, from the, the film, film no, no. no. Um, yeah, the film is, no is the same. I, 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 no, I won't do it justice. It's been too long since I saw it, but... I've never seen it. Is it good? So yeah. if I again, I, I think my memory is playing tricks on me because it was so long ago. But if I remember rightly, it's very good. It does it quite a lot of justice, but it doesn't tell the whole story. I remember. I think it like ends when they are in America or something. Um, but but I think it doesn't tell you the whole Sorab yeah. bit. It's like part of it, but I'm not convinced i'm recalling it it really changes tone for me at that well after america like well when he's going back into iran it's almost quite into afghanistan it's almost quite um thrillery isn't it you know he's suddenly on a mission yeah Yeah. cinematic he's suddenly on a mission um and it is it i suppose it keeps it its tone with the letters and that um but it's the pace is very different isn't it? it's quite a quick um, rundown. I think that a lot happens. Third. Yes, lot happens. yeah. The um, first bit, the first bit is quite slow in a way. Um, it's set in the scene, and it's you know it's leading up to what for him is a pivotal moment when everything changes. Um, but actually, it's been changing for him since the beginning because he's a lonely little boy, no mother. No women in the household. In fact, he grew up with men. He says that later on when he gets married to Thraya, doesn't he? But again, another wonderful thing. Did you notice in the letter that Hassan wrote him and he got from um, Rahim Khan when he goes to visit Rahim Khan in, in Pakistan and he gives him the letter from Hassan and Hassan tells him about going to the bazaar with his wife and he says the Taliban beat her with a stick and he said, I couldn't do anything. I had to just watch. And I felt then he was actually saying without saying to Amir, you couldn't have done anything to save me. I couldn't even save my wife and I was an adult. I had to let her be lying on the floor being beaten and she had a big bruise on her leg um, for days afterwards. 
And so he was kind to me again, maybe I'm over reading it, but to me, it was like saying, here's another message. Rahim Khan will give you this letter. You will know if you read it that I've forgiven you. You couldn't have done yeah. anything else. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's quite incredible. Again, I, so I sort many, of didn't yeah. pick up on that, but that's quite an obvious parallel. I mean, there's a real wisdom, isn't yeah. there, with him, with Hassan's character, I think, and a very sort of happy wisdom. Like he takes the takes pride and pleasure in life. Yeah. Um, Amir says it when it's coming towards the final bit. He says, and maybe Hassan was all the best bits out of my father's character and I was all the worst bits. And he said, oh, I just, you know, and I said that to myself without any pain. Maybe this is how healing starts, by an acceptance of what is rather than, you know, because this is what we do, isn't it? We pine for what we think ought to have been Mm. and we waste so much energy on that rather than saying, you know, I'm human, I'm fallible, I've really really (laughs) made loads of mistakes (laughs) you don't like it tough because I don't like it either you know Mm. but I think that was a that was beautiful actually and his father you were talking about his father earlier on what do we think about his character what is it about us that likes to think people are either good or bad the reality of it is we are so complex Mm. so complex as human beings and the the sadness about his father is the secrecy. Yeah. Because if there was openness, if there could have been openness, which there couldn't because of context and time, et cetera, et cetera. But if there was, then the sting is taken away from things. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's only when things have to be hidden for whatever reason that they gain power over us and other people in all sorts of different ways. And there is no power, really. There only is. Mm. (laughs) There is what there is. And this book is so incredible, isn't it? Taking you on a journey with those characters and showing you the nuance. So early on you do think with Bubbo like when he wrote read his story he goes oh that's nice he wrote a story and Rahim Khan who's actually really warm from day one goes I'd like to read it and buys him a notebook but then like you say you see Bubba at his very very best as well like what we talked about earlier uh, yeah. standing up for the woman and yeah. um and it's brilliant like I think you put it best there Trudy is is we're very very complex and everybody, maybe except Asif. That's in what this I was going to say, except him. Do you know is, what I mean? That's, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have the complexity. He is a psychopath. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that's fair. The only thing I didn't get, really, mm. was the event in the house when Amir went to get Suhrab from Asif. I'm not sure that Asif would have said we've got to fight it out. He may have done it, but I don't think he would have allowed the situation to be such that he wouldn't have won in the end. Why would you say to your guards, whatever you hear, don't come in? He said, Suhrab can come in and watch. It was Suhrab that actually saved I mean, we all We all end. saw the slingshot coming. This is what happens when you do a creative writing course. You see every um, Chekhov's gun, you know, it's like... Wonder what's going to happen with the slingshot. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I get what you're saying because, like, the the situation you've got to believe maybe outside of a novel in reality, as Anna gets shot 
that's how that one ends, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think with think. Asef, because it's almost quite a valiant move. It's a quite a sort of medieval king move. That's where it's... He doesn't subscribe to that, does he? Yeah. yeah, unless that is a redeeming feature to his character in some warped way. I did actually like the sort of, um, the quite political statement almost by, by him saying that my parents are in Australia, they send me money when I need, which I think gives a really important context to these conflicts. Yeah. So, Trudy, we're now going to do the one-star reviews. This is the section of the show uh, where we read out one-star reviews of the book on Amazon because these angry people are very funny. Um, So we want to hear your reaction to one-star reviews of this book. Okay, well, successful books always have a good load of one-star reviews because people love to hate what everyone else loves. As we've had a good old in-depth chat with, uh, with my mother, we'll just keep these very short. Let's start with... Walker, M.A. Walker, they say, no, no, not for me. Hated this read, bought two others by him, but don't think I'll ever read them. Really not my cup of tea, straight to the charity shop. There we go. Someone doesn't understand one-star reviews. Arvid doesn't understand one-star reviews and wrote, fascinating story. Oh, bless. Obviously the curse has slipped, the curse has slipped. (laughs) Um, Lovejoy, remember Lovejoy? We used to watch Love Joy yeah. on TV. Um, didn't grab me. Clearly, I'm in the minority. 99% of readers adored this book, but I just couldn't get into it. Two reasons. I found I wasn't the slightest bit interested or inspired by the relationship between the two young boys, servant and master, that you know will come to grief and the emerging pomposity of the narrator. Secondly, and something I can't really put my finger on, was that the prose had the feel of the narrator, Afghani, speaking in broken English. No, it didn't. <laughs> Actually, actually, I think that's a fair point for someone who either has not had any experience of living in that part of the Middle East Mm -hmm. or no contact with people from that area or an reluctance, shall we say, to actually immerse their, suspend their disbelief. Because I have to say, as somebody with a little bit of experience of that, I found it totally believable, mm-hmm. totally, um, and you know, consuming and, and drew me along beautifully. I have sympathy for it. Mm-hmm. I think they just have no understanding of what that would be like. Maybe they're trying to think of it as, in, as we would a servant-master relationship here, which mm-hmm. it just isn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's also the, bit of the, the feel of broken English, of speaking in broken English. Did you pick up on... How it felt like it was broken English? I don't Not think at I. All. I no. feel that might be it's superimposing one's ideas about um, foreigners onto. There's definitely a style to it, isn't there? There's definitely a very poetic, um, which I would say possibly Afghanistan Middle Easty style. But I thought the tone of the whole thing was very romantic, and mm-hmm. you, you two were sort of speaking about this earlier. And whenever you've told me about Iran and like say like your dad and how he speaks to his mates you say there's like there's a poetic nature to it there's there romantic. is yeah and i definitely got that running i know this is afghani and not iranian but like how um you know literature does make you want to travel to the place you're reading about i, I really felt the spirit of the place in this book yes definitely i really enjoyed reading a book where i understood the foreign words in there there was a real sort of comfort and a sort of a closeness there um and a real connection um donor or Donna, but with one N, far worse than what I expected. 
Um, I read this book after reading Thousand Splendid Sons. I was disappointed oh, with yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's fabulous. I was disappointed with it, but optimistic about The Kite Runner. Um, I liked The Kite Runner even less. The story is very melodramatic. The character's black and white. The stereotype's appalling. A half-German who reads biographies of Hitler, a gypsy who elopes, weak females who either die or are killed or abused, raped young males. Enough of this, she puts with an exclamation mark at the end. I'm sorry, that's not what you wanted. Too much stringing along. Uh, Karen says contrite and contrive. There's no D at the end of that. Um, Trudy, we normally start swearing about these now, but... But we won't, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Out of we, respect yeah. for the mother. <laughs> we better just have a couple more and then we'll... Uh... Oh, he doesn't want me to carry on. Do you know why he wants me to stop, Mum? Because he wants to get the end of the football game, don't you? Don't you? We'll just That's... see what's on telly. <laughs> How dare oh, he? good for you. Um, okay, yawn. If you like painting by numbers, then you will love this writing by numbers. Uh, worst book I've ever read. <laughs> Sorry about that. Airport read, quite comfortably the worst book I've ever read. It's simply terrible. It's the definition of airport read. It's truly an awful book, woeful dialogue, and a clumped together story strung along by an opaque fantasy of Afghanistan before occupation. Money, money, money. Um, and then someone else wrote a totally awful book posing as a novel. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? Um, awful, awful, awful. My Lord, it is awful. I do need to point out these are 1% of the entire reviews. But yeah, one star reviews. I always, um, it amazes They're me. They're always good for a chuckle. I actually feel sorry for those people who um, have had felt the need to disregard it completely because it is eye-opening. It's not... All of Afghanistan is like that. It's not all of the Middle East is like that, but it is about an experience or mm. three. Um, and yeah, I think let's let's suppose it was writing by numbers or anything else. The insight that you can get from this book, um, uh, you know, it just expands you. It's yeah. a, a very worthwhile read if that's a good word to say. It's a, it's a worthwhile read. This is definitely something people should read twice Yeah. Um, if you struggled with it. Yeah. So this what actually was my second read. I read this a few years ago and reread it for today and I, I enjoyed it just as much. You know, it was just fantastic. Yeah, it was It was just... And it was funny, we, we interviewed uh, Ed Needham from... Yes, Strong from Words Strong magazine, Words, yeah. And he, he was saying his theory of you shouldn't really ever read a book twice because you don't get the same effect again. And I think I understand where he's coming from, but I've proved that theory wrong for myself a lot of times, and this is one of those. I've read a book for the second time and gone, oh, yeah, just like watching your favourite movie again, you know, just just loving it for what it is. I suppose it does depend why you're reading or what the purpose of your reading is. Um, again, as a literature student, you wouldn't read books once or twice. You'd be yeah. interrogating them. Yeah. You know, you'd be taking them to pieces. You'd be writing essays where you could come up with quotes from the, you know, paragraphs in the middle, beginning and end, all the rest of it. <laughs> and you would immerse yourself in that novel. And if it wouldn't hold up to that kind of scrutiny, whether there are weaknesses in it or not, it's actually it enables you to grow somewhat by doing that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think novel does te novels do teach you about life, different lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know what we didn't say right at the beginning, which we usually say is. Go on. You asked me what I thought of the book when you told me to read a book, didn't you? 
Well, I'll ask you right now. So let, let, let's let's sum it up. Um, so, Trudy, you listen to this. You know that we kind of give it a score out of 10 and our reasons why. Then we kind of combine the numbers <laughs> and, and to give it an overall. Um, well, we, no, we find an average, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, Adja. Oh, me first. Well, yeah, because I didn't ask at the start. What um, did you think? I loved it. Extreme, it ticked all the boxes that I need from a book, uh, mainly on the emotional front. I had felt such a connection to it. It really... As mum said, it's just very eye-opening um, and really challenging as well, especially when it comes to what I'm really interested in is understanding characters and that nuance with characters. And like you said, there's no good or bad, really, um, especially when it comes to family and you know parents and, and those dynamics and also protecting people that you love but can't do right by because of everything else that's involved with that and that... Um, just the heartbreaking elements to um, to doing the right thing and to you know loving people within confines of culture. Um, yeah, I've, I've, and also like I said, the the father bit had me in tears. Um, and even talking about it, just general points, like it really gave me a yearning for Iran and that sort of that, you know that disconnection with that with like that culture. Um, yeah, I'd give it a ten. I'd say it was a really there were like some points like I could get down and nitty gritty with certain bits mm-hmm. here or there and that maybe the pacing a little bit and and maybe the no I actually sorry we didn't even get into how we handled Sorab at the end but I really liked how he handled that relationship with not rushing to a happy ending just to make a child fit his narrative which is like a lesson in itself isn't that because isn't that what so many parents can fall into and he didn't the child has to heal and recover in his own way in his own time and pace and that child is not forced to perform for him mm. um which was such a brilliant way to end on in, in essentially the way he felt he had to perform for his father really um yeah 10 out of 10, 10 i love it fantastic trudy coming to you for your closing thoughts and the score oh goodness um giving a book a number i think that's all That's right, literature strange thing. Yeah. Well, we do it every time, <laughs> no, and you're doing it now. <laughs> they have a lot of caveats to them and disclaimers. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, yeah, definitely very high up on my list of books that I would keep on the bookshelf. Um, won't make its way to the charity shop. Definitely worth reading again. I'm going to have to give it a nine or a ten if you want numbers <laughs> like that. Um, for for that same for the you know the same sort of things that you've said. It, in, it brings you into other people's experience mm. and there's the idea of redemption and atonement which is always good we all need forgiveness we all need acceptance and we all need to feel that yeah okay we might have done things bad but we can do something better in the future mm. um, and accept that for other people as well we don't have to have those people with us all the time if the driver's nuts but <laughs> you know okay there, there are only people there are only humans yeah. yeah nice well you've both put it fantastically so i'm just going to agree it's an outstanding <laughs> story it no it really it is um harrowing but it is um a wonderful tale of atonement yeah. and like you i just thought it was fantastic so i'm gonna agree let's let's give it a 10 oh well let's it's... give it let's round mums up to a 10 and we'll give it a 10 <laughs> um on our official book charts yeah um don't know what we're reading next time do we 
uh, no, we don't, actually. I've got The Beekeeper of Aleppo, which my grandmother has given me, which I might read. Trudy, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really... Oh, the, oh and, and there's Theo. There's Theo, the dog, just joining at the end. That's Theo chasing aeroplanes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on this and, and getting all of your valuable insight. Best discussion ever, I think, on, yeah. on Dabblers. We won't top this. It's going to be back to pub talk and swearing next <laughs> oh, time. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening once again to the Dabblers Book Club. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.